1: Hi, this is Arjun, welcoming you to this episode of Secrets to Win Big. Winning is fun, but winning big puts us all on the path to long-term sustained success, and that, to me, is real fun. In this podcast, you will hear from leaders from around the world and all walks of life sharing their secrets on how they win big. And the reason leaders from all around the world and all walks of life is important because each one of us have our own journey. The starting point are different, uh, is different. The destinations are different. And that's the reason these different, unique insights are very important. In that spirit, today is truly an honor and a pleasure to invite my VIP guest, You know, have a conversation with him, uh, Steve Lushinsky. Steve, a leadership and a decision-making expert. He's the author of Leadership Starts Here. And it's very important to look at is the first step in any journey I find is the most difficult, but the first step connecting to the end and the final step and the big win is what Steve specializes in and has obscene number of years of experience. And that will be a fascinating conversation in his current role steve is a strategic advisor and an executive coach and strategic partner at optimize international he works with ceos c suite leaders and their teams to drive leadership team to performance and organizational results here is also something very important to look at is sometimes you know some of us work with a leader to help the person but this is where steve separates himself he takes the team to a performance, and the organization to a result, which I really think takes the game to a different level. He also focuses executives, executives on team decision-making, defining top priorities, and delivering on these most important outcomes. Before his current role, team founded and held two fast-growing multi-million dollar companies prior to he founding the Optimize International. Past clients have been Accenture, Cooper, Deloitte, NASA, Johnson & uh, Johnson, and Johnson, n- n- Novotis, Novo, Nordisk, Fidelity, State Street, MetLife, and Oakley. Steve, what an incredible resume. Welcome to Secrets to winvic
2: Arjun, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm honored to be on your show.
1: Absolutely. And before we start, we just want to share everyone where Steve is located today. Steve, Steve without smiling, would you just share that, please, so that way we can all be happy for you, man.
2: Arjun, you're you're making this difficult without smiling. I'm sitting in Maui right now. This is a a two-week holiday, and this is a special event, so I was more than delighted to show up, even from Maui.
1: Absolutely. I really appreciate that. And Steve, the way you work so hard, I'm very happy that you're taking this time to re-energize and come back stronger and even more powerful for all of us.
2: Well, it's, I think it's so important. It's one of the key lessons that I have to teach many executives that if you're not 100% really ready to do everything you need to do, you're going to continue to deteriorate and your energy level, your focus is going
1: to go away. The first big nugget from Steve Dushinsky is be ready to be 100%. So Steve, in a world where there are thousands of leadership experts and coaches, okay, what is the one-on-one niche that separates you and that you have created.
2: You know, Arjun, that's a great point because there's a lot of people talking leadership, you know, and I first started doing this business, which after running companies, I've been doing this now for 28 years and Amazon showed up right around that time. And I remember putting in the words leadership to find books. And I think the first time I did a search, there were 7,900 and some books. And I just did this again last year. I think there were 187,000. So there's a lot of people talking leadership. And as I like to say, there's a lot more people writing and speaking about leadership than there are great leaders. Mm -hmm. So for me, my clients really tend to be the best of the best, the already successful folks who keep recognizing the fact that regardless of how good or how successful you are, you can always get better. Mm -hmm. And that's a tough haul because a lot of people could use the basics A lot of my clients are looking to say, how do we continue to grow, leverage our assets, mitigate our challenges, and continue to do extraordinary things with our people? So my niche is really those C-suite executives who recognize there's room to grow. It's important and critical to continue to grow. And they're searching for ways to do that better and faster.
1: It's brilliant because to me, One of the things, Steve, when I worked with some of the top golfers, what hit me hard is the best always continue to invest in getting better and the rest of us are boring friends who were just like, I would go and tell you, Steve, do you remember that amazing shot I hit on the second hole eight years, two days back and And to me, it's like, there's nothing wrong about it. Yes, that was real. But to me, I think what you're talking about, the best gets it, the room to grow, they understand the opportunity, and also they get that importance. So on that, I just want to build a little bit more by saying, so when you wrote the book, and you talk about leadership starts here, what's the promise that business leaders, when they get it, they should get only by reading this? Like if this is, they read only one book of leadership, this is the book, why? And what's the promise? Uh, You ask
2: the best questions, Arjun. You know, the whole point, leadership starts here, is Mm -hmm. a really big claim here. And it's a big hook. Mm -hmm. Because my basic premise is here, where does leadership start? And when Mm -hmm. I ask people that, that's a tough question for most people to answer. I answer the question this way leadership starts with the decision-making process that you use and the decisions that you make and here's the interesting piece i think more than anything else is most people are lacking a coherent consistent congruent process for decision making a lot of people can make decisions because they have to Mm -hmm. a lot of people can make decisions because they're obvious but -hmm. very few people and very few teams in particular and therefore very few organizations have a coherent decision-making process that prioritizes, validates, and is able to communicate not only what's most important, but why it matters and why it is the best choice of what's most important. Which is what the
1: focus of the book is. You know, this really Steve touches this core point, which I always see in the business world, and you articulate it so beautifully. Is in a bigger picture, I find the success that is repeated has a process. If I came to you and said, I made a million dollars. And then I told you, I did it by, you know getting a scratch ticket from, you know, before Christmas you know, very well, I cannot replicate that. And that's the part where I really loved the moment you said it, it gave me literal, you know, goosebumps when you talked about that leadership starts with the process and not about just making good decisions because process is repeatable. So, you know, for Steve, so can you give me a little more details about when you make decisions, what are some process frameworks that you have that you use at a higher level, please?
2: Absolutely. Well, let's talk about the most fundamental process for leaders. And that's what I call the strategic alignment process. And it's the most commonsensical thing you could ever imagine. I'm full of these axioms. You know, one of my axioms we started talking about earlier, it's always the best who are most committed to being better. Mm -hmm. But there's another one that's called what's most important is what's most important. And how do you judge what's most important? It's really basically strategic alignment is around aligning your vision, your mission, your goals, your strategies, your tactics. Mm -hmm. Isn't that the most common sensible thing you've ever heard? Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, I asked clients, I said, give me five minutes each with your top five people and I'll tell you in 30 minutes or less how well aligned your executive team is. And you can only imagine if your executive team is not well aligned with the rest of your organization looks like. I'm gonna ask each of them one-on-one three questions. First question, what's your vision Mm -hmm. for the organization? Question number two, what's the mission of the organization? Question Mm -hmm. three, what are the top three strategic priorities of the organization? Mm -hmm. And Here's the point, if I don't get the same answer from your top five executives, Mm It means they're not aligned. You can only imagine, again, what the rest of your organization looks like. And how many times I've gotten the same answer from five executives in well over 20 years of doing this? Wow. Zero would be the correct answer. Wow. So while it's the most commonsensical thing any senior leader should be thinking, what's our vision, mission, goals, and strategies? Do they align? Are they clear? Are they able to be articulated? Are they known and acted on by my team? And yet,
1: I've never met an organization that starts there. Yes. So to me, as you are talking to me, I'm right away thinking what would happen to me, my wife and my daughter, if we were driving a car where all four wheels didn't even acknowledge the presence of the other wheels. If all four of them were totally disaligned, like it would be a disaster. It puts my family at risk. And As you talked about the alignment to vision, mission, and top three uh, strategic priorities, I simply love this. So as I'm listening to you, Steve, what I'm seeing is you have this talent and you have worked on it and you've just taken it to a super art form of seeing what, what others do not. Each client of yours is different. Their journey is different. So when you meet a new client, their business is different. How do you see what they don't see to help them on their journey to be successful, that to proven over and over again?
2: Well, Arjun, I want to make two points here. Number one is, it's not a matter of how intelligent you are, because most of my clients, I would say, are probably higher IQs than I have. But the real important issue for every single one of us, it's about the value you provide that makes you special, worthwhile, and needed by your clients. I see things people don't see. One, because I was trained really as a phenomenologist or ontologist. My specialty is observing what actually happens. So what I've got here is a universal framework. I've done this with many, 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 many dozens of groups very different kinds of industries, teams, uh, ways of operating together, friendliness, uh, conflict, and it works every time. So my specialty is really finding the framework within which decision-making processes are coherent and well-established. The clients provide the content because they're the experts in their field. Here's the interesting piece though, as expert as they are, and you know the story of corporations is a lot of times we're into silo thinking, which means I'm taking care of my group, I don't care about the rest of you and the organization because I can't figure out what the heck you're doing. So we try and break that down because when we're collectively all going in the same direction, we're strategically aligned, the power of multiplication Mm -hmm. of people working together comes into play. We're not an additive process, we're a multiplicative process. And the ability for us to get on the same page where we're all accelerating each other's progress is profoundly powerful. And once people start to see the process at work, they're able to replicate it. That's what's most powerful. So, you know, what we do is really give them a framework and a structure and a set of principles and practices to work with.
1: They provide the content and the results are dramatic. I have to ask you this because this is really wow and very exciting. You talked about you observe what actually is happening and in the corporate world many a time, as you mentioned also is we need to go beyond silo thinking. We see the reality the way we want to see it and not from outside. So what does observe what you actu- what is actually happening mean? Like what is that skill?
2: Well, it's beautiful because here's the issue. A lot of times if you ask a CEO or a CIO or any C-suite le- leader or any leader within an organization, tell me what's going on in your organization. Mm-hmm. You're going to get an unbelievable story. What I mean by story is you're going to get people's interpretations of what's happening. You're going to get their hearsay. You're going to get what their friends tell them. You're going to get you know the piece of the puzzle that they observe. And that's what I call the story. For me, I want to know the phenomena. Give me something factual anybody could observe. Mm-hmm. Give me the phenomena that goes on, not the story about the phenomena. So it's about getting underneath this. Arjun, let me give you an example. Please. When I've observed leaders over the last 28 years and practiced leadership for, you know, all well over 18 years before that running my own companies, you know, my question was always what makes the best leaders What are the key capabilities? What I've been able to identify is what I call three dimensions of extraordinary leadership. Mm -hmm. So we're looking for effectiveness in the personal dimension. We're looking for effectiveness in the interpersonal dimension, the area people I speak to and interact with. And we're Mm -hmm. looking for effectiveness in the organizational dimension. So these are the three dimensions, and there's principles underneath each one of them. The question really becomes... How are you doing in terms of your level of effectiveness, personally, congruence with your own values and purpose? How are you doing interpersonally, your ability to create value for everybody you deal with? And how are you doing organizationally, your ability to be an extraordinary leader? So those are the three dimensions that I look at and I start to say, how are we doing? Mm -hmm. What I also find is that in every case, there's usually an area, one of those three dimensions somebody's extraordinarily successful at. That's probably what got them where they are. Mm-hmm. The second dimension is where they're secondarily strong. And there's also a trailing one. It doesn't mean they're not good at it. It just means it's not as strong as the other two. And that gives us a very, very clear dynamic picture of where they stand. And it enables us to literally take action to improve their performance,
1: mm-hmm. even in areas they're already good at. Yeah, to me, my mind is spinning at 5,000 miles an hour as I'm listening to you. <laughs> I have to ask you this question is when you talked about the three dimensions, is there a hierarchy? Like I asked you a very straightforward question there is to me, if my personal dimension, I'm not maximized, optimized, is it possible to go to interpersonal organization or each one of them you know, happens parallelly?
2: So here's the interesting piece. They they interact with each other. Got it. So it's like three dimensions with, you know, it we start with where's your strength? Mm-hmm. It's one of my principles. Build on strengths. Mm-hmm. Because if we understand the strategy that makes you strong in an area, whether it's personal, interpersonal, or organizational,
1: mm-hmm.
2: in all likelihood, if you're not doing well in another dimension, it's because you're not employing a similar strategy. Got it. What I find is you find very talented people are really good at certain things and not others. And the real issue is they're applying a completely different strategy in the other area. Here's the interesting secret. Most of the best leaders I work with, you find out that their greatest strength is interpersonal or organizational. Mm -hmm. And I would say 80% of the time, the trailing dimension is personal. So you talked, we started here, that I'm in Maui taking time. Mm -hmm. I learned that from a mentor of mine there's a brilliant story and I'll never forget it happened in 1988 Mm -hmm. and I was fortunate to be running a small company multi-million dollar company but I was being coached by a guy who had built from scratch a 1.6 billion dollar company wow and he's looking at me we're working on the balance sheet I was running an eight million dollar company at the time Mm -hmm. and he says when's the last time you had a vacation I go wait a second we're working on the balance sheet he said when's the last time you had a vacation you know, five months ago, how long? Oh, come on. How long? He said, I said, five days. He said, a long weekend. He said, look, I ran a $1.6 billion company as a CEO. I had 32 divisions and a corporate staff of seven people. And I insisted every single one of them take at least a week, a quarter off, or you're not fresh enough to think the most important thing, thinking and making decisions. I looked at him, I said, a week, a quarter off. I had 48 employees at the time. Hmm. I said, who's going to run the company? He looks at me and says, so you have a management problem, too? Wow. And and that changed my life. I take four to six weeks off every year. And it's amazing what that does for my capacity to be present, aware, thinking, observing, and being able to really add value in every interaction. And I really encourage everyone. It's
1: a rare executive who understands that. This is great. I'm so glad you shared it. And you also brought it to something very tactical about taking time off, why it is important, and how it is connected to other areas like management challenges and everything else. So Steve, as you have done this for brands, obscenely big, big, and also evolving, for you to be successful over 28 plus years in this field, you have to be good. There has been success at every level, but to me, I think what gives all of us goosebumps is when a client has that OMG, wow moment, where they just, you know, talk to you and just like cannot hold back and says, "Steve, I just can't believe what just happened." You know, can you just talk about anything without which is not proprietary, of course, which you can share, which gets you energized and brings you back the next morning to help the next client? Like an example of a wow, OMG moment you took a client to. Well, let me share
2: with you one of my first OMG moments with a Fortune 500 client. First of all, I was an entrepreneur all my early life. I never thought I'd be any place but with entrepreneurs. All of a sudden, I'm sitting with the CIO of a Fortune 500 company Mm -hmm. through an interesting set of circumstances. And we're talking and what happened was he ended up hiring me. So, uh, you know, as a funny part of this, early on, I showed up at this CIO topics, top IT organization in a fortune 500. There's seven IBM thinkpads around the table. I walk in with a Mac. Hmm. This was the nineties. So yeah, that was sacrilegious at the time. Then I finally said to him, I said, look guys, because they're looking at me strangely, you didn't hire me for technology. You're way too smart, but you don't know how to talk to clients. So this was an organization that was struggling. They had a, the absolute critical obstacles in front of them. What happened was they were being spun into an independent business unit instead of only a portion of your budget. Now I need to earn it. Mm. Number two is their 48% of their clients were complaining about pricing at a time when they couldn't afford to continue to operate at the internal transfer price they were operating at. And number three, they had one year to fix it. Mm. So I came in there. So over the course of the next 12 months, we were able to raise our prices to our internal partners, by 50%, 50%, Wow! and we reduced the complaints about pricing to 12% of the clients, which I think is critical mass for complaints about pricing anyway. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and then the second year that we worked together, they won the enterprise award in a Fortune 500, the IT group did, for most outstanding customer satisfaction. We've never heard of an IT group in a Fortune 500 doing that other than that. And when they were acquired by a Fortune 50, my CIO became CIO of the Fortune 50. That's a success. Let me share with the most recent one I had, Mm -hmm. because this was an organization where I'm coaching the CEO. He's telling me this is a startup, a joint venture, very, very powerful group, and yet huge demands for performance and production. And I'm coaching the CEO and recognizing what he needs to get done, which is let's hear what your vision, your mission, your goals, and your strategies are, and let's do it really quickly. Mm -hmm. And he had just been brought in after they have been floundering for about a year. And I said, here's the key, the strategic alignment process is your key to success. We brought people together everywhere from Amsterdam to Boston to Cleveland to Seattle to San Francisco for a 10-hour Zoom meeting going through the strategic alignment process. And at the end of one day, and they were ecstatic at the end of 10 hours, they couldn't believe they could do that. But more importantly, they couldn't believe how much consensus and clarity and quality decision-making they'd come to. They had a powerful vision, mission, goals and now they're building their strategies it was just a really extraordinary coming together of the team not mm-hmm. just to make the decisions that were critical but to do it with a process that brought them together got them to really understand their capabilities and their potential as a team so that was sort of the beginning and the most latest I And mean, they're pretty typical of those the quality of what happens in the interactions Mm -hmm. It's so dynamic, so uplifting, so clarifying,
1: so focusing, that to me, those are the qualities I'm always looking for. And in both the examples that you gave me and one at the beginning and one is now, and I'm just looking at your bookending, an amazing career of success. What I love is the commonality between both, which is consistent with everything you're talking about. It's all about the quality of interaction. In both cases, you did not use the word me, me, I, 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 you know, of course, you're brilliant, you see, you add more value, but you're always talking about the team. And you talked about the amount of time it takes, but you're creating an alignment for good. In the first case, the progress that was made in 12 months, not in one day, because some things take time. But what I loved is not only was a mega progress done, but how the brand, the business evolved next year to be one of the few IT companies, like I've never heard of an IT company being at that level, winning that customer sat recognition and award, that itself tells me how you have set them up for future success. And that's the part where I would quote a very smart man, I'm quoting you, in fact, is when you talked about the value of, you know, multiplication, the power of multiplication, when a team works together, it's not additive. And I love the statement, you know, really cool, on how you brought everything together. So Steve, you know, here's a thing I would push you on, like the challenge about you being good or amazing, you still have to reinvent yourself. Like Steve in 2021 is better than Steve in 2019 and 2017. And for you to deliver consistently and consistently evolve, what's your secret to be consistently good and constantly evolve?
2: Well, I think there's two things that really, when they come together, they really force innovation. And one of them is to be strategically aligned myself, where my own personal vision, mission, and goals for the organization, which is really working with the best of the best, continuing to evolve them, to build workplaces and leaders who can create workplaces where there's enormous amounts of creative expression and contribution to fulfillment of themselves and others. So that's just the high level. My basic mission is to connect leaders to their greatest talents, capabilities, and resources, which often really exist in their organization. So when you combine that with the ability to deliver value to a client, because mm-hmm. that's the synchronon that really comes to play for both of us. If mm-hmm. you're delivering value to a client, you've got a future.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: If you're strategically aligned with what really moves you, your vision, mission, goals, you're in a position where those two come together, (coughs) excuse me, where those two come together is the place of innovation because you've got to constantly stay in tune with your clients. You've got to constantly be respecting and upgrading and evolving your own personal purpose and mission and goals. And so I find that innovation shows up when you're really matching what's the client's needs and being really attuned to that, not selling them what I have, but helping them achieve what they need what they truly need. And then at the same time, doing that congruently with what I'm up to forces me to rethink myself almost all the time.
1: I love that. That's really brilliant. So, to me, you're listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. Today, my VIP guest is Steve Leshansky, author of Leadership Starts Here, a fascinating conversation. He specialized in working with exceptional managers, CEOs at the biggest level, leaders who already realize there's a lot of room to grow and they see and they prioritize and make it important for them to grow. So Steve, this final section of the discussion would love to ask you a few rapid questions. This is more for my audience members who are a little ADD. So three to seven (laughs) word answers. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So now let's go beyond your current role as the leadership guru who's there at the highest level. What will be your advice to anyone in any walk of life to be a successful leader?
2: Figure out how to add value to your people, maximize your people's, your value, you add to people. So it's a little more than seven words, but add value, maximize value. So true. Love that. How do you define a big win? When the client achieves something beyond what they normally would or faster mm-hmm. than they normally could.
1: Brilliant. Second that one. Absolutely. What's the one reason? Of course, there are many reasons. What's the one common reasons you see in companies when they fail to win big?
2: They think small. And they,
1: they, they're confused and think small. mm mm-hmm. You know, most rule leaders completely rule out some obstacles from their mind. You know, top athletes I've worked with, some of them when they were kids, they even would get a tiny dictionary and remove words like no, impossible from that. So what is a word or a phrase not in Steve's dictionary? And secondly, if I was fortunate to be an intern working for Steve, shadowing him for a week, what would be a word or phrase I would hear saying Steve the most?
2: What you would never hear around me is, it's not my job. What you would always hear from me is, what is most important here?
1: Brilliant. So with all your wisdom, Steve, if you could time travel and go back to that young Steve, the kid who is just graduating from high school, before the graduation ceremony, he comes to you and you could whisper one piece of advice to that kid. What is that advice?
2: More courage, less fear. No matter how much courage you have, more would be better. No matter how much fear you have, less would be better.
1: Wow. More courage, less fear. Okay. Finally, you know we touched on this earlier. And when you talked about leadership starts with a decision-making process, and I want to make it a little broader. I find that leaders who are super successful has personal processes. Okay? It's the processes that repeat success. Is there a ritual you have? Like how do you start your work day, the last thing you do that you are comfortable sharing?
2: Well, first of all, I'm a longtime meditator. Mm -hmm. My clients always say, you know, you're the most calm and collected type A we've ever met. (laughs) I'm sure I can attribute that to 45 years of meditation. Uh So what I've learned is to always, there's always a way. Mm -hmm. And the fastest way to find that way is to be centered, calm and clear. So, my three C's of leadership are clarity, courage, and candor. And you've got to be able to be centered to find those. Brilliant.
1: This last question is the most important question. If I could step in, you know, if you, sorry, if you could step into my shoes and ask a question to Steve, what would be that amazing question you would ask that I have not asked?
2: What's the most important thing that would change? Your the trajectory of your progress.
1: Steve, let me, this question just came to my mind. What's the most important thing that would change your progress?
2: The trajectory of my progress. I think the biggest thing for me, which is what's happening in this book is to write more of these books, to get them out there, uh, to spend more time speaking about these principles. You know, it's one thing to work with clients, The biggest thing is to actually share it more widely and more publicly. My clients benefit. I'm looking to have the world benefit.
1: So Steve, you know, first of all, this is fascinating. And, you know, in today's world, I wish you amazing success. And of course, more importantly, good health to you and and your family. Let's say we do the next portion of the podcast in year 2031. What would be a few things that would not change in Steve? And what would be a few things that I would find like, wow, so cool in Steve, twenty thirty one?
2: One thing that wouldn't change is you'd find me in Maui in January. You'd find me passionate about making a difference for my clients. Mm-hmm. You'd find me about really adoring my kids who are all adults at this point already anyway, but hopefully uh, more grandchildren with that too. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, really always searching for the best of the best who are looking to get better. That wouldn't change, that's always gonna be the same. What would change is you'd see probably four more books from me. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not interested in writing long-winded books. Every book I write, I'm trying to bring to close to a hundred pages because I believe everything that's important to be said can be said in a hundred pages.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, so you'll share more, uh, there'll be more books, there'll be more speaking, you'll be hearing more from me in a public venue, you'll be seeing some TED Talks from me and uh, hopefully you'll have a lot of clients who are starting to share my wisdom with their people because that's the key is to really build a critical mass where common sense rules and exquisite amounts of value are created by everybody who we can touch
1: that's brilliant thank you steve for an amazing conversation
2: arjun it's always a brilliant conversation with you thank you so much for having me it's been a great pleasure
1: Thank you. This was such a fascinating conversation. And you know, to me, I was fortunate before the conversation to get to know Steve Dushansky at c Suites Network. And what I always saw was this man was born different, makes impact differently, but he always does it in a calm, confident way, putting rest of us first. And this literally was like my journey, yeah, it's all about me of course, to discover for myself, how does Steve do that? And the very beginning, he right away separated by saying, instead of talking about leadership, it's all about doing it. Like there are so many books about people write, talk about leadership, but leadership is not what you get in a textbook, it's about action. And that's the part he connected by saying there has to be some kind of an internal drive the best gets better they see the room to grow they find it the importance to grow because still you have that you just can't work on to get better it's not a pill that you can take then after that what i also was fascinated by that whole concept that leadership starts with decision making process and then the decisions because without the process and the framework it's tough to make decisions on an ongoing basis that puts the team first he also broke it into the three dimensions the personal interpersonal and organization and i was just thinking that there has to be a hierarchy that you have to be great at personal then you go there but steve showed me no this is whole is interactive sometimes people you know really excel in one but they are not bringing that same skills to the other so it's all about being that same consistent person and that somehow took me back to memories of my amazing grandma I called her maji who always told me, Arjun, can you just always be one Arjun in life? And that consistency was very, very important. Steve also talked about the quality of interactions, the alignment, the consensus, because all together, he talked about how it's the power of multiplication that a team provides. But at every point of time, His journey started with clarity and alignment, involved the entire team, but always this man in a good way is driven, committed, addicted to the highest level of success. And when I asked him what would be constant in 10 years, one of the big things is Steve Lashansky will be there to make big impact for his clients. Thank you all for listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. What a fascinating conversation. Please subscribe, share and review this podcast with your friends. Happy listening and looking forward to bringing you another conversation with another leader from another part of the world, another walk of life real soon. Thank you again. Thank you, Steve.
2: Thank you, Arjun.
0: You've been listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, brand whisperer top brand growth driver and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. To learn more, visit www.zenmango.com. Share this podcast with your friends and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts.